Hello, everyone. Say hello, Stephen. Hello. That's my stick. Get your own <laughs> stick. I don't have a catchphrase. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's um, give you 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a name than a catchphrase. But yeah, anyway, yeah. digressing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another lovely episode featuring our good selves. How are you today? Hope you're well. Welcome. Yes, welcome. I, very well done. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited to be back on your podcast on, on this channel because I, I, I really want to review this film. Do you want to introduce the film we're going after? We are going to talk about the amazing, the fantastic, the already considered, in my say and opinion anyway, a classic, Ghostbusters Afterlife. A film we've waited for for so long, and it's so good. Do you think that this film, you know, when people people are saying now, oh, it wasn't that good, or you, you, well, we'll go into it in that, but I think that this film means so much to people like me and you, because not only did we wait so long, but after the last Ghostbusters, we felt like we we're never going to get something like this ever. Exactly. You know? It really did appeal to you know loyal long-time fans of ghostbusters and yes the 2016 movie was made but we're not fans of it however it kind of whet our appetite about the possibility of another ghostbusters movie coming out and then it was done correctly perfectly and, and just a real good bit of nostalgia taking us back to a simpler time a happier time dare i say where it, you know it was just about guys beating up ghosts and saving <laughs> the world it's what we want in life and it, it was, was a thoroughly was enjoyable a... ride it was a perfect blend of what the modern audiences want to see mixed with what we wanted to see for a long, long time. You know, yeah. and, and the people who are saying, oh, it's too much nostalgia, too much um, harking back. What the hell are you talking about? Because this is exactly what people wanted in a, in a, in a sequel and they got it and they're still fucking moaning. <laughs> You can't please everybody, even the people no. that want to see a sequel to an already established and well-loved franchise. Yeah. People still, you know, didn't take to it. And, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, even the wrong opinions. I don't know what the box office numbers are for this, but it did well, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's still very popular. I mean, it's with the download option now. Now it's gone to digital. It's going to be going up even more in terms of fandom and accessibility. Yeah. And, you know, the merchandising, there's bound to be some really cool, you know, collectibles coming out based on this film. And I'm going to want to have all of them. Yeah. Oh, and that's another thing we're going to get into is, is the, the sound effects, the noises that come with activating the proton packs and all these little things that they just got right with the sound it takes you instantly back to what you loved about the first two definitely i think having jason reitman as the director being the son of ivan mm. and um being really involved in the franchise growing up as a kid he really appreciates the you know the the lore of it you know the backstories of the characters what we'd like to see on screen what makes it nostalgic what visuals we wanted to see and he really did produce an amazing film that is just an homage to the classic two i should say the other other two films i should say to be corrected there it was just a fantastic visual treat and yeah. really rewarded us for being fans of such a great show a great show sorry a great movie and it and it didn't i mean i mean we can't are we going to say spoilers now i think um, it's probably best to say that if you haven't seen ghostbusters, ghostbusters afterlife yet there are some very major spoiler alerts well throughout this uh, review yeah I would think so. It's it's safe to say we're going to talk about some key scenes, key characters, key moments. And again, if you haven't seen it yet, hurry up and do it, and then come back and watch and listen <laughs> to this. Yeah, because I I don't like doing reviews that aren't that haven't got any depth in them. I don't like mm. just skimming around the issue because you're missing 
I mean, it's bad enough with us. We go off on tangents anyway, but we do. The thing is, I want to talk in depth about this because it's it's a movie that we've like we've said before, we've always wanted, and now we've got it. I can't believe it. I think I kept thinking. I kept thinking afterwards. This is exactly what I wanted. Exactly Literally. what I wanted. I didn't want it to be a movie about a group of old guys from the past reliving their youth or whatever. I wanted I wanted it to be an homage to the past while breathing new life into it and and new characters experiencing this. And the way they interlinked it back in was great. It really was. The fact that they did bring new characters in, but still play tribute to already existing characters. Yeah. It wasn't this kind of like you say, it wasn't just the old guys trying to relive their youth. It was acknowledgments of both sides of the Ghostbusters world. Yeah. And um although some of the mainstream actors did cameo in the forgotten movie <laughs> as different characters. I was so glad to see that they've come back to reprise their roles properly. Properly, exactly. Yeah. Cameos were never going to be good enough. They had to come back as the Ghostbusters and pass on the baton, as it were, pass on the torch. Which is easily yeah. done in this because I know I'm, I'm not, um, I don't think they were better than the original, but they all fill the key role, the key roles of the other characters pretty well for, for young yeah. people. And they did really well with it, and their approach to making what's the little girl's name, the character, the actress's name, or um... no, no, in in the movie, oh, she's Phoebe, Phoebe. Oh, how did I forget that's my daughter's <laughs> name? <laughs> oh, oh, someone's in trouble. Someone's gone along and burst my bubble. <laughs> but um, the thing is, I thought she nailed that part absolutely. You because... know, like like Eleven did in uh, Stranger Things. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. That the, the way that it's hard to be to to do that character justice because it's so nuanced. I thought because um, she's she's playing the granddaughter of Egon Spengler. The mannerisms she gave off, you know, very science based. The glasses, very kind of one tone in her answers and how she analyzes things, just like Egon was. But it wasn't. Was, it, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. You know, like when you see Sheldon sometimes on, on Big Bang Theory, and hmm. he was very much like dislikable at times, and like, oh, I hate, don't like him. It never came across like that with her. It always felt endearing. Yeah, I think so. They were great characters, both young and old. Obviously, we're going to try and dive into as much as we can while we can. But um, I'd like to start with literally the beginning, the intro to the movie. Yeah. I mean, what what an amazing setup. This big chase after what's been a ghost-busting fight of some sort leads to a chase sequence involving, like, a truck going yeah. into a farmhouse and turning on traps that don't turn on because there's a bit of an issue with power. All the while, this character that is being followed is all kind of shot in darkness with silhouettes. But yeah. you know who the character is. You've got a big bouffant hairdo. You've got glasses. <laughs> you've got the the jawline, you know this is Egon. Yeah. Being chased by a spirit of some sort, but he's like he's laying there in wait, he's sitting in wait, waiting for it to arrive, and he's got a bigger plan in mind, which comes to happen towards the end of the movie. The whole big setup is what he's set up at the initial start of the movie. It's quite sad though. It is. To to see that moment happen and you feel like the character deserved better, but I, I suppose it serves the whole plot anyway. I know it serves the plot, but mm. obviously Egon is not someone who is afraid of death, probably, in the same way. But I, I do think it's a shame that he was all alone and not with that without his buddies there. Yeah, it, it does get elaborated on as the, the story goes. Like, they all kind of parted ways and didn't keep in touch very very often. So, like a lot of friends do, when you move on to different things, you, you tend not to keep in touch as often as you'd like to. And people mm. drift apart. 
But I think, like you mentioned, with the um, with Egon not being too phased by death, it's because he's obviously had experience with ghosts for so long that he knows there's something after you die. There's another existence, so it wouldn't phase you, I suppose, that much if you knew I mean, the second you die, you come back it, in some it, sort it, of form. It'd be curious. It'd be curious, and I, I reckon he saw it as an experiment, another experiment. You know, what's this plane of existence going to be like when he dies? And he wasn't afraid of it. But I still, I mean, I'm skipping ahead now. But when when Ray um, said you can rot in hell later on in the film, that hit. That hit hard to me. Yeah, because you, I guess you wanted to to know how bad the argument was between them to cause this this kind of really horrible way to speak about him. You know, saying he's going to rot in hell. What what was the initial conversation that started them w- walking away separately and just being? But do nice you think that's that? true? Do you think that's true to the character of both characters? That because we we've seen them in both the originals that they were both completely open with with challenging ideas together as, as a yeah. twosome. You know, no matter how insane the proposal, they were willing to go all out and do it, like having, I don't know what they did, did, did that toaster. Oh, the toaster. Oh, I don't know, know what they did to that toaster or the slime, but those looks, those looks, the glances to each other as if to say something <laughs> untoward happened. And well, yes. So if they're it's willing to the experiment ones. like that, then what? what the hell, you know? I mean, it did rub me up the wrong way, but that's the only part, you know. I think it was just really well shot, obviously, because Harold Ramis is sadly no longer with us. They did a great job in <coughs> making it look, excuse you, <laughs> making it look like... Is that you, Egon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making it look like Egon. Obviously, it was another actor, you know, using the role, but being CGI altered to look like Egon. But it was shot really well. It did look like Egon driving the truck. It did look like Egon going back to the farmhouse to set up this initial beginning and that's props to, obviously, Jason Reitman and the special effects team and the vision that he wanted to see. Yeah. Yes, we could have just had the mention, oh, yeah, Egon left and we didn't see him again. But the fact they've gone to this trouble to, to bring him in, albeit CGI'd, shows how important he was to the main story. And it wasn't over-the-top CGI. Do you know how we always say about like, CGI Arnold or CGI this, CGI that? Just mm. to just to have a moment like that. But it wasn't handled poorly it was handled with care like you say practical effects as well seem to have been used here to make him come to life well yeah after death and it's so handled so well especially like you say the beginning bit with all use of camera angles to cast shadows and that and like you say it's a very distinctive face absolutely very unique looking person is um is egon hard ramus so not an easy one to to copy but they did it really well and like with these practical effects, like you say, when he's initially in the chair waiting to be taken by a ghost and the arms come through the chair, just like what happened to Dana Barrett in the first movie, mm. they were puppeteer arms coming through the chair. It wasn't a CGI arm. They're still relying heavily on effects like puppetry and animatronics and you know people in costumes, that kind of thing. It, it is a practical effect that is used well. Yeah. So it, and, it really and, did and... set us up well. Yeah, and, and obviously, I mean, you mentioned Dana then. She was in the end credits, wasn't she? Like a, a scene at the end with Bill Murray. Yeah, I just, I always just think of that scene from the second film when Venkman burst into Dana's apartment and she just says hello, Pete, and he just goes, Hello, Dana. <laughs> and he's all kind of like lusting after her and stuff. It's like, so <laughs> over the top, isn't it? So <laughs> it really is. And I think I've done this before, like, it's so funny <laughs> and i used to do that thing with the kids as well you know when he goes oh yeah <laughs> the baby i used to do that with my babies too because i loved it 
you know, I love Ghostbusters too. But I don't know. I, I, I wish there was more Bill Murray in this, to be honest, doing those sorts of moments like the Hello Dana. That would have been amazing. I mean, um, he, there is a scene when when he does come into the film where he does try a few bits of ad lib during the scene. That we'll we'll get to that in a bit, but yeah, yeah. He, he kind of tried to use some of the the same comedy he's known for. Mm. So um, so yeah, we've we've got a big setup piece and we've got a a great start, and then we cut to the family, so yeah. the the grandchildren and daughter of Egon who have been given this farmhouse that he left in his will. And they're on, they're on hard times, you know, they're struggling to pay bills. So they think this is a big investment that they can sell on. And it's just a decrepit old farmhouse worth nothing. But did, little did we know, there's a whole backstory to this, what that farmhouse has been used for and what it's going to be used for as the film progresses. Yeah. A great casting choice, bringing in Finn, Finn Wolfhart, obviously famous for Stranger Things, um, being the voice of Pugsley in the recent Adams Family animated movies. Oh, I didn't know that. Really establishing himself as, a, as an upcoming actor. Yeah. Granted, a majority of the young actors in it were new to me. I had not heard them or heard from uh, them or seen them in other things yeah, that I'm aware uh, of anyway. But yeah. I, th- I suppose when you are bringing up, you know, a younger generation into a, into an already existing franchise, it makes sense to maybe take a gamble on unknown actors and and put them on the map, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's something you see quite a lot. But, yeah, but obviously there are some really, really talented younger talent coming through. Yeah, it's just the writing so terrible recently. You just can't see them, you know. And, and it's a shame when you look at we just talked about the Matrix. These little moments could make make or break an actor, and it's a shame really that. Well, the one good thing is that these actors and they got a really good movie to shine, which is something that none of us really expected. Because I know when I saw the trailer, it, it felt good. Mm. Um, it felt really, really good. It felt like it was something. Everything we wanted to see was in the trailer, but I just didn't want them to mess it up, you know. Yeah. Through throughout the film, they accidentally uncover a shaft, which is exposing <laughs> the the ghostly apparitions into the world that have been locked away for a long time, and sets off this whole chain of events, much like in the the first two films. You know, they unleash, they pop the cork essentially on a seal, and out comes all this ghostly energy, and it starts to change everything. And they've got no experience in this kind of stuff. So they speak to their, one of their teachers at the high school, played by Paul Rudd. Yeah, he was good in this as well. Even though... He was good. In it. He's a good actor to go to. I mean, he's established as a good comedic actor. And I'm sure for him, it must have been something of an achievement in life to be able to be in a Ghostbusters movie because it's one of those things you kind of aspire to as a comedian. If it's a really good comedic franchise that is really popular around the world and you get to be in it, it's got to be a real good compliment to your, your skills as an actor. Well, the thing is that after uh, the last two, uh, 2016 Ghostbusters, uh, I wasn't really sure whether they could attract a certain level of talent to the new Ghostbusters because you didn't know what it was going to be. Mm. You know, the script must have really won them over, really, to get them all in, on board on this because it's the cast. There was no weak link in this cast um, to speak of, really, is there? No, I, I think everyone, even the, the, the lesser sort of important parts, were still portrayed on screen really well. And even some of the some of the actors that were on there just for a specific scene, not even to carry on in the film, still played an important role. Yeah. One and, character and... stands out to me. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you. No, um, Phoebe befriends a guy in school who's known as Podcast. Now, oh, I'm sure you, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. you can imagine why he's one of my favourites. <laughs> well, his job title might give it away. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he, just called, he just records a podcast throughout the whole film. He's literally getting people just to talk to a microphone about what's happening. And I thought that yeah, that's me. 
that's a young version of me trying Did to spy. Did you not cringe a little bit though? Because I'm not a podcaster like you are, but um, even the, the little things he was coming out with is something. Bits, there's things I've said in a similar vein, I and mean, I'm always going looking at ways of making a video work, and you know, like graffiti in the bridge. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. I mean, he said it, and I'm like, oh, do I sound like that? <laughs> I, I think he's someone to be idolising. Yes, As, he's a podcast legend. Yeah, uh, pioneer, <laughs> a pioneer. But the, the, that's how funny this movie is. It's got it's got some really good quality jokes in it that are not so obvious. Um, yeah. That's just a running gag that he's a podcaster in the middle of nowhere, really, with nothing to do. I but love he's that. Still it's acknowledged it. as well when he's he's like, I, I don't really um, get a lot of listeners, and it doesn't come into a tone until about episode fifty-seven. <laughs> yeah. <something like> that. <laughs> And, yeah. and when he crosses paths with Ray, oh, you're such and such podcaster. Oh, yeah, your series didn't really take off until episode 57. <laughs> I thought, Ray's listening to his podcast. I thought, oh, my God. Yes. He, he, he didn't find his voice until that, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't find my identity on my voice. And I thought, oh, I've said that. <laughs> I'm the same. It took me a whole season to get used to doing things. So I can fully appreciate it. What because, I did like was yeah. the reference to uh, The Walking Dead. So they obviously have the same TV stations as us in the Ghostbusters universe because Paul Rudd's character was explaining when he showed footage to the young folk in it of the Ghostbusters back in their heyday. So basically yeah. New York was just like The Walking Dead, which is a good nod to an already established great horror franchise which has got billions of viewers around the world. It makes me think in the Ghostbusters universe, they're also watching, you know, they're watching Fox or they're watching <laughs> yeah. whatever channel over here we'd, we'd be watching it on. So they watch The Walking Dead, they love zombies and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, well, maybe Ghostbusters can take on the supernatural in other formats, you know, the Wolfman, the zombies, the Draculas of the world. Who knows where they'll take the franchise? But I, I love that kind of nod to a pop culture reference that exists in another pop culture reference. It's not too meta, though, is it? Like we've just said <laughs> with uh, The Matrix, it's not meta at all in that no, regard, no. is it? Um, it's, it's mostly tongue-in-cheek. It's mostly what-if scenarios, isn't it? That exactly. You think of, you know? Yeah. Again, great use of effects. It was nice to see returning characters from the original movie in the form of the Hellhounds. Yes, and, yes. And the Marshmallow Man, albeit slightly smaller than we saw him last time. Mm. But I loved the nod. I loved the fact that the main baddie, and again, spoiler alert, it is Zool. Zool is back. But the way they did it, the way they connected it to the original plan, uh, all, this, all the brickwork from, for the original yep. building was mined from here. Uh, yep. Egon's way of keeping him, keeping Gozer down and, you know, making sure, you know, with the, the proton packs. That's right, yeah. they'd be automatically going off every time a Gozer had to come out and stuff, and yeah. That, that's clever. That's clever. They could have just had the mystery of, oh, it's coming through a crack or something, but no, they, they did something where... He's been holding it at bay this long, and it's t took everyone to be in the right place at the right time to sort of defeat her again. Yeah, it's um, it really shows why he had to alienate himself from everyone else because he was so focused on making this thing be held back and stop this from happening. You know, saving the world and stuff. Like friendships didn't matter, loyalty didn't matter. He just had to make sure he could save everyone. Everyone's gone off and don't live their lives. You know, Peter went off and became a, a TV psychiatrist, and Ray had his bookstore, and Winston was dabbling in a lot of pies and did successful business ventures, yeah. apparently. But Egon was still hardcore ghost busting and being a scientist and trying to stop the apocalypse. So it took over his life, and that's why he had to distance himself from everyone and just lost everything because he was so focused. I, I did like the, the cameo from Janine as well. Oh, do you know? Seems I really wish she still had her hair, though. Yeah, I, yeah, like that big hair. If she still had that, 
Mind you, to be fair, the second one was based on the cartoon series, the, the original first, and yeah. it was kind of short and curly, so I suppose it makes sense to go back to that. Plus, she's a bit older, so she's not going to want it to be the same, is she? But I've seen the, the, the clips of the original cast doing the little bits here and there, you know, the cameos and that. I just wish that they kept some of it in the main film, because I missed yeah. it. I, I, oh. I'd already gone off the film, and I missed the Bill Murray and, and Sigourney Weaver part, and I thought, why couldn't you have kept that in? You know, yeah, it's 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 nice that they threw them in there. I suppose it was kind of like a a reward for being loyal for this this many oh, years. And that's the thing about Janine. There's there's a part where she was sat in in a, like an office or something, and she receives she receives like I don't know if it was a message or she she got some sort of thing, clue that there was a message for her. I can't quite remember the scene, but and she smiles at the end as if she knows that mm. Egon's looking down at her or something. And I thought, ah, I missed that part. Well, yeah, that that's kind of. Later on in the film, what's well, one of the end credits? You see, um, footage after the New York incident from the first film, you know, they've blown the roof off the tower and they're covered in marshmallow, yeah. And um, you see Janine talking to Egon and she, she's giving him something for luck, like a good luck charm of some sort. That's it, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's kind of like, you know, it's completely pointless having this thing, it doesn't mean anything. Goes, I want you to have it, I've, I've got others, you know, it's fine. But they, there was always that connection between the two, even in the first film, there was, there was distancing there, but there, there was something there that kind of drew them together. I think she fancied Egon, but he was just kind of, yeah, he's just a person to me. Yeah. But I think she definitely fancied Egon and wanted to probe his mind amongst other things. But those science chicks really dig that large cranium of yours, huh? I think they're more interested in my epididymis. Oh, there was a natural spark of connection between them that, yeah. again, in, in the second one, they sort of went a different way with it. But yeah, you're right. There was subliminal messaging going on between them. It was very... <laughs> I mean, you could, you, you could say they were romantically connected but you know apart but i think it was more of a friendship to be honest with you yeah she did she did really care and the fact that she had all these lasting memories when she was talking to winston about egon showed how much of an impact he had on her life as well yeah it wasn't just about taking the call and shouting we got one and hitting the bell <laughs> she was there as a friend as well and obviously enjoyed her time with them all so yeah it was, and, it was and... nice to have her come in there's a little tiny hint of regret as well that there was no there was no time left for them. Mm. Um, yeah. But what did you think of the, the plot itself? The fact that we were we were seeing it through her eyes, uh, the Phoebe's eyes. We were seeing it. The, the mother was a bit weird though. It's uh, <laughs> the, the things she came yeah. up with. <laughs> she was a bit crazy, to be fair. Like, but generally the plot I did like. I, I loved the introduction of the family egon's mm. family you know how how they've had to suffer with having him just leave them essentially again being obsessed with this whole saving the world just distancing from everybody so they didn't see much of him before he died i love the introduction of the young family who are going to take over the mantle because we've seen it through their their eyes like you said but the discovery of these classic ghostbusters elements you know the, the proton packs the actor one under a piece of tarpaulin in a garage and 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 just discovering the heritage that he's left behind yeah, I, it I found together. it really good. Piecing it all yeah. together, like it was essentially a Ghostbusters puzzle, mm. and it all started with Phoebe being the big science bottom of the family. You know, she's rewiring the house and she's doing things that are quite technically savvy, but for such a young person to do. And yeah. when she found that trap, and that's where it all set off. They obviously, they released the trap in in the school grounds and left the ghost out, and it went straight down to the mine and started the whole thing kicking off. But I liked it. I think it was good that by bringing youth youth in, it brings. A new generation is the franchise. You know, there's kids now that are fans of what's her name, McKenna Grace and and Phil Wolfhart, who are from other shows and TV films and so on, and they're they're bringing that fandom in to our fandom and, and kind of 
unifying everyone, so it, it's going to be experienced by both young and old fans of Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's great. Do Do you think there's the the, the element of of sarcasm was absent in this, yeah. or do you, do you think it was just because there was sarcasm in there? There was a few lines that made me laugh, but it, you know the original Ghostbusters was comedy, completely uh, stripped back to a comedy, but not in the same way that they were thinking in 2016. It was yeah, it was sarcasm, and it wasn't over the top. It was done in little hints, and I think this movie tries its best to do the same, but not quite hitting yeah. it. Yeah, it's not going to be the same formula. Obviously, having the original cast is great. But they don't have the same, dare I say, charisma as they had back in their youth. Mm. They're, uh, they're literally yeah. coming in as seasoned older guys who who happen to be Ghostbusters. They're not they're not as funny and as witty as they used to be. But then that's because they're coming in to help at the end of the film or towards the end of the film. This yeah. is really about the youth taking on the mantle, discovering what this is, what it is to be a Ghostbuster, and what the heritage and history is of it. Yeah. Then well, we, like we with bring... the YouTube, the YouTube clips did that really exactly, well because yeah. it's I, also it's, it's utilizing what we're using now, which is YouTube. It's something that people recognized the brand of YouTube, connecting it to something older, and then bringing it forward to say, "Look, this is what they used to be in the past." And, exactly. And uh, we're ready to believe you. Love all that. I love the fact that it's uh, on YouTube in in this particular universe. They can see historical footage of the Ghostbusters back in their heyday. And you treat it like like a documentary, like this is actual history going on. Yeah, and it's... and that that's 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 the sort of thing that you'd want to see happen because it's not it's not on the nose, it's not over the top, it's just there to serve a purpose. And then it connects the two when she had that phone call with Ray asking these questions that we've been waiting all the film to to hear. What the hell happened here? You know why are these yeah. guys split up? You know, and then they're able to come back then. I think it's just fantastic. It's a very well-written script. Yes, mm. it's not as comedic as the first film and certainly not the second one, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a different generation now. Comedy's, you know, it's evolved. It's changed to, to be a different type of comedy. Well, Bill but, Murray said in an interview, he said that people have told him that they cried in the cinema and that's the mark of a great comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Crying laughing, yeah. <laughs> Well, because he said it's so sad the ending, it made him cry. I was like, well, I, I get what you mean because you know, comedy is supposed to be like light-hearted fun. Look at it from our point of view because I I got tearful-eyed at the end. It's a very sad moment, there, yes. Because you're you've waited so long for for this outcome, and then you got a, a false start with the 2016 one, which became a toxic issue for many people. Mm. So then to finally see it realized and properly done. It, that that's where it hit, yeah. Absolutely. I think the ending, especially because it pays a really good tribute to Harold Ramis. We've already mentioned the spoiler, so it goes out saying this is a major spoiler, but we do get to see the ghost of Egon and looks exactly like Harold Ramis. Again, very well designed and computer animated, but he comes in at the last minute to help them all out during this big battle between Gozer and Zul. And <laughs> yeah. he, he offers a helping hand yeah. By helping his granddaughter arm with the with the proton pack to help bust this ghost, and it's a really good nod to our favorite, you know, of the franchise, our favorites. And that's that's what made this movie so special because it wasn't just the fact that they came back to help, but it was also the new characters had their place too. You yeah. know, they, 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 all the pieces of the puzzle came together at the right time. How how Egon wanted it, and he couldn't have done it on his own. Exactly. So this that's, had to that be was the theme of the movie. Yeah, I love it. 
It is really good. Very nostalgic. It's full of a lot of Easter eggs, what we'd seen in the original films, like the hint of Marshmallow Man and the Hellhounds, the introduction, the reintroduction, sorry, of Zool and Goza. The attempts at ad-lib comedy. Yeah, not so much. But the by, the vision, original, by the original cast, yeah. The visuals are great. The fact that they've brought back the original-looking Ecto-1, not the one from the second movie with all the extra gadgets on, the, the classic-looking one. The visual effects were just like in the original movie. The, 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 stro- the sort of streaming strobe effects from the ghost looked like mm-hmm. the first movie. It was just And practical great. effects with, with the hellhounds too. Yeah, um, exactly. They not, were suits involved. Uh, really good. I, I like the fact that they handled the sex scene uh, well as well because I was expecting it to be like sort of glossed over a little bit more in this version, mm. you know, because it's aiming it for younger. Um, but yeah. they never did it. They didn't they just handled it slightly more sensitively you know i wonder if um because paul rudd's character in it is one of the two characters that gets taken over by a hellhound just like lewis tully in the first film yeah moranis of course i wonder if he kind of channeled an inner rick moranis because he did kind of have that kind of scruffed up hair and kind of the collar was up one way and the shirt was hanging out one side and stuff like that it kind of yeah that that was the point. I think it was trying to pay, pay tribute to Dana and what's his name again? Lewis Lewis Tully. Lewis Tully. Yeah, I can't think of Rick and because of his name. Um, but it because they're 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 basically they're the new versions of them. But it had yeah, to be exactly. transferred to them because obviously I know I know uh, Dana appeared in the end, but she wasn't in the, the the film itself. No, that's correct. You know, and I think it they did a good job without you know trampling on what came before. It was a new way of looking at it. Which I, I, you know what, I never saw it coming. Which is strange because people have said that it's so obvious that they were going to be the new key master and key maker, and I thought I didn't see that coming at all. That these two were going to hook up like that, and then bam, they're both taken over and become, you know, goes as a henchman and henchwoman. Because I, I saw, the, I saw they had chemistry and then they might get together in the end. But in the original, uh, Dana was like going to to him like, go away. Get off, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call her, maybe not. Uh, so that that's why it surprised me too that they ended up being together for that moment, you know. In it was, it was a surprise. Yeah. Um, well, well, well written, well directed, well acted. I think it's just a, a great again homage to the first two. Just nostalgically speaking, I left that viewing feeling really happy and wanting to watch it a multiple amount of time. So I'm glad. I'm glad it got made. If they had just left it with 2016's version. Not well, good. I think it was it was there was too much at stake really because mm. they know they knew they'd messed up massively because it, it so the movie's okay but not as a Ghostbusters film. It was okay just as a as a weird thing over there. But you yeah. could never put it in the same league as the other two. Uh, and this one can quite happily go with the rest as a beginning, middle and an end. You see, you say end, but I think there will be another one because they do leave a pretty strong teaser at the end. I don't think I've seen the teaser. So will I be spoiling this for you also then? Oh, all right, spoil it. Okay, so there's a scene when Janine and Winston are chatting about what happened with their lives when they went their separate ways. Winston reveals that he pretty much became an entrepreneur and has become a successful businessman. And you see a scene where the firehouse doors are opened mm. and in, in comes the Ecto-1, all beaten and bashed. And you just see Winston kind of stroke one of the bonnet pieces and says, like, don't worry, we're going to get you back to 
as you work, kind of, we're going to fix you right up. The camera pans across to inside the firehouse where the containment unit is. Light starts to flash and like a big kind of like gurgling sound starts to build. So something's coming out. Oh. So, so it's not, gonna not, not um goes or anything. I don't believe so, but the amount of ghosts that they put in those traps into that containment unit means there's something big in there and something's going to come out. So I suspect this will be the link to a, a new film with the younger actors taking over and, and seeing what they can do to it. But I, with that big teaser being what it is, I, I suspect they will try and hmm. make something. I, don't I would know. hope so. I don't know how I feel about it because I'm I'm of the of the thing I'm of the opinion that you should never over egg something mm. if something's had its time or if there's a closure element to it, like with Avengers Endgame, let's say there's a closure yep. element to to the whole thing that's been a decade in the making or whatever. There's a closure there, so to carry on the story would take a huge amount of extra material and more interest, and people are burnt out. And I think what Ghostbusters Afterlife has done is it's provided a lot of closure for the characters we've been begging to come back for years. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's any more I'd visibly want to see from Ghostbusters anymore. And that's fair. If you if you ignore the end teasers, you can le- round, round, it, uh, round it off, write it off as a trilogy, and you get yeah. a nice ending to the story, to certain characters, and a fond farewell to an amazing actor and iconic character in the form of Egon. Mm. And oh yeah, that was, that, was, that was beautiful, that the way he's really good it was it, no wonder we all got kind of welled up to it it's just such a nice way to bid him farewell because yeah, he's served his purpose in life and death and then he was able to ascend and move to the spirit realm forever mm. and it hit hard because obviously not just because the, the actors died now but like you say we had waited for so long to see the baton passed on to another generation yeah. but now it's happened i'm like i think i'm done i think i'm all right now leaving it the way it is to imagine to imagine what happens next do you know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Because I'm, I, guess... I'm, I was quite happy at the end of Terminator 2 doing that. The unknown road before us. I mean, even Terminator 3, if you're going to count that as the trilogy, the, the bombs went off, completed the circle in the timeline, and then you, you left the one to see the future as it was, you know, as a circle. As it goes on, it stretches the concept a bit too thin. Yeah, you're so, watering it down every time. So, So why not just leave it? as a trilogy to enjoy you know i think the thing is it's hollywood and it's uh, ultimately it's a business and it wants to make money so if billions of us go to watch ghostbusters and it makes them a ton of money they're gonna think well do you know what we'll make another one it might not yeah. be any good it could be a sequel to the 2016 one and be shockingly awful however <laughs> we'll make it because we will we spent loads of money before and it works so we'll try it again yeah um, it only worked because it it, it it did what the fans wanted and what yeah. it's like we always said it's like with the um snyder cut you know, oh, the, oh my god! You know, you the fans got it after moaning for years. And yeah, we finally did. getting it. You know what I mean? We moaned, but we got an amazing four-hour epic film. So exactly. I'm glad I was one of those moaners. It worked. <laughs> and that's Jackson, thing that, I love you. <laughs> and the same happened with with Ghostbusters Afterlife because we waited for so long from the early nineties to 2016 for something to come out, and then that came out, and we're like, what? Is that it? Is that all? We're, is that all we're worth? <laughs> and then this this masterpiece comes out, and we're we're just happy to see closure. That that's how I feel, you know. Yeah, there's a lot to take from it. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's nostalgic. It's just a good a good ride. A good a good. It's a good experience. The whole thing, and a, like you say, a great way to end what is three movies, not four. Three movies. Yeah. 
in a great way. Happy fun experience that I'll thoroughly enjoy watching again and again. And after the year or two that we've had, you know, dud movies and, you know, wasted potentials and stuff, that was like a breath of fresh air coming yeah, from nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, even, even though I knew it'd be it'd be good, really, judging by the trailer, I was expecting The Matrix to be better, you know, Ooh. and to go... And to go, oh well, it's the Matrix, you know, the you know the, the, the philosophical things that you talk about. It's it's going to be years of, of thinking about it and going, ooh, wonder what they meant by that, you know. And then you go, oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> why did they watch it? Well, no, I know why I watched it, but I, you know, I, I purposely, like I've said to you before, I purposely avoided the other trailers. Yeah, because I didn't want to, any, anything to affect how I perceived the film first time. And then I come out going, watch it, fucking ad now. <laughs> I hear a cat then. Can you hear the cat? I just thought it was really spooky. We were talking about the Matrix and a cat came onto the sound. Was, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, God. That was spooky. We don't use that word in here. We, we only uh, ever hear that sound when they change something. Oh, my God. There it was again. <laughs> Deja vu. Stop it. Oh, my God. That's weird. It's Oliver. Oliver's outside my door meowing. He's trying to get in because he wants to yeah. make sure that uh, this is all the real world. I'm not going to kick the cat. <laughs> do not I'll get, I'll get sacked although he wasn't sacked was he? he just got fined didn't he anywho um, okay so we're going to wrap it up now so marks out of 10 I mean I want to give it 10 mm. but I would probably give it 9 just because it wasn't full on comedic which I thought I might get yeah. some of but for everything else, it's fantastic. You know, it really played heavily on my fandom of it and what I loved about the original movies. So it's close to being perfect as a sequel, but not quite there for me. What about yourself? I'm inclined to agree with nine. Okay. It, it, it doesn't deserve anything less than that. No, it, no, no. Certainly more. It, it could be a, a 10, but there's little moments here and there that like, I could, that could have been slightly adjusted to make it a bit mm. more... Uh, true to the character, like I said before, Ray saying rotting hell, he knows the connotation with that when yeah, it comes yeah. to evil spirits and stuff. And his best friend, that you know, I don't care what your differences are, you know, that would that seemed out of character. But apart from that, nine out of ten for sure, for Fantastic. sure, best movie of the year that I saw. Yeah, I didn't see many films last year with obvious reasons, but I wonder yeah. what else did I see last year now. I mean, I saw, uh, I don't know if you've seen it before, Don't Look Up. Not seen it, but I know of it, and I'll be honest with you, it doesn't grab my interest at all. <laughs> it's funny, because you mentioned Deep Impact the other day. It's 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 like that, but with naughty humour. Ah, um, well, you've got the gist of it already. Yeah, it, it, it's it's good to watch when you're trying to, you know, when you, when you think of the polarisation of mankind at the moment, it's a very good, for a left-leaning movie, it's a very good film, which I really liked. But apart from that, I think Ghostbusters... Reign supreme. Uh, yeah. So, Davey, it's been a pleasure. Always nice to be here. And thank you for letting me join you for this little chat around the Ghostbusters world. And thank you for letting me join letting me join you on your podcast. Always a pleasure. Yes. It's a, a two-way street, our little chat. So my back's yes. been scratched and so is yours. Yes. There's an invisible tunnel that leads directly to your... Uh, never mind. Uh, but anyway... I'll let you go. <laughs> oh, there's a joke in there, but I wasn't going to finish it. <laughs> Cheers. Nice. Um... Yes, yes. The be- all the best to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, because my, it was my birthday this week, and I've, I've turned a certain age. 21 again, eh? Woo! Mm. 21. And, and 21 bald and fabulous. 
What a lovely t-shirt slogan that would make. It would. It, it, you know, I'd have to go to somewhere to get it. <laughs> but anyway, I'll speak to you soon. Take Bye. care, everyone. Bye.